Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Optical View Podcast, episode 28. Today I have on Chantel. Chantel is an incredible person. She is a teacher, a role model, an inspiration to many, and an amateur bodybuilder. She is a wealth of knowledge of everything fitness. Also, she does online coaching. She will help you reach your goals and your fitness goals. Guys, hope you guys like this episode. I loved recording it. Make sure you reach out to her. She's going to hook you up with all your fitness needs. See you guys in the next one. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Optical View Podcast. Today I'm excited for this one. We have a very interesting person. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. So first question, who are you and what do you do? So my name is Chantel Spaulding. Um, I am a teacher. I am a personal trainer and online coach still within the personal training realm, just not one-on-one and face-to-face. And I'm an amateur bodybuilder. Wow, lots to talk about there. Before we get into any of that stuff, though, I have a couple quick rapid-fire questions so the viewers can get to know you a little bit better. Okay. All right, first one's this or that. So just say whatever you feel. We got rice or sweet potatoes? Oh, rice. (laughs) Brownies or cookies? Cookies. Coffee or tea? Coffee. (laughs) Broccoli or cauliflower? They both don't digest well. But broccoli. Ooh. Sunset or sunrise? Sunset. Barbecue or sushi? Barbecue. All right. And cats or dogs? That one's tricky. I technically love both, but I love that cats are low maintenance. Okay. All right. And this next, uh, this next little fun one we'll do is uh, just first person or answer that comes to your mind as quick as you can. Best teacher you've ever had? Oh, that's, that's so hard. I've had a lot of great ones, hence why I became a teacher. Uh, probably my my sports marketing teacher. She was also my basketball and football coach. Oh, okay. Do you have a favorite quote? If so, what is it? There's a lot. Um, I would say, like, right now, the popular one I would say for this year is uh all gas no brakes all gas no brakes okay and if you had to only pick one who would be one role model for you who uh I'd probably say my dad we're very much alike (laughs) your dad yeah awesome so I want to I want to go back to what you said at the at the beginning here Right. With being a teacher and a coach and an amateur bodybuilder and, and all that stuff. So first off, let's let's talk about your teaching here. How did you get into teaching? So funny story. When I went to teachers college, they asked you, like, what's your earliest memory of wanting to be a teacher? And I had never thought about it. I just remember in high school always telling my phys ed teachers that I'm going to have their job one day. However, when I got asked that question at teacher's college, I remember my grandma, she used to run a daycare uh, out of her home. And I would pretend like I was one of the kids that she would watch um, because it was cheaper that way to just go to my grandparents. (laughs) Um, 
but I was one of the kids that she would watch and I used to pretend that I was the other kids teachers. Uh, I would literally make report cards for those kids and have parent teacher interviews <laughs> with their parents. And mind you, I was probably anywhere from like six to 10 years old. Uh, however, in terms of like my education, I went to Durham College for fitness and health promotion. Then I went to Brock for kinesiology, and then I went abroad to Australia for Teachers College. Wow. Yeah. So a bit of a journey there. So uh, when, when along that path did you decide that you, you either wanted to switch or you, you wanted to commit to becoming a teacher? Uh, well, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. I knew specifically I wanted to teach phys ed. I wasn't 100% sure of what my second teachable would be. So for example, if you're elementary, you typically don't need a second subject area. However, if you're going for high school, which high school kids I much prefer over elementary, uh, you need a second teaching area. And technically with kinesiology being a science, um, it was easier for me to pick up science. So science is actually my second teachable. Um, I just finished a course in the winter. I took family studies. And then I've actually spent a lot of time teaching kids with spe uh, special educational needs. So I'm also a spec ed teacher as well. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so, so you just teach high school, you said, right? Yes. But I've had placements so in elementary classrooms. Oh, okay. So throughout the different grades, uh, I guess, I mean, even spanning all the way down to elementary, what different techniques do you use? Uh, my number one technique is, I guess, well, it starts with building a rapport with the student. You want to get to know them, what their likes, their dislikes are, what's a way to break through to them. Um, so I like to figure out what type of learner they are. And this kind of translates to being a personal trainer, or at least it definitely helps me as a trainer is figuring out um, how to get through to them. What's going to help them understand? Do I need to do something um, through music? Do I need to do more activities that are hands-on? Are they uh, learners that like to incorporate numbers a lot? Do, what kind of visuals do they need? So that kind of translates into being a personal trainer where one, I will describe what um, the exercise is just using words. Then I will show them the movement. So there's that usually using visual. Um, and then I'll, of course, with permission, I also like to use like a hands-on approach like palpating. So this is where you should feel the muscle that you're working on. So trying to teach them that uh, mind to muscle connection. Wow. Okay. I mean, that actually kind of just rolled into my next kind of thing is, is how do the techniques you know, crossover, but I think you kind of answered that one there. hundred <laughs> percent. So, I mean, being an online uh, fitness coach and trainer, um, how does that differentiate from being an in-person? So in person, obviously you're getting more of, like I said, like the visual, the one-on-one -on -one aspect, whereas with online coaching, like the way I do it and a lot of, it is the more popular way right now. Uh, minus like during COVID, usually when people hear, and I think COVID in the pandemic and lockdowns have kind of shifted how people think of online coaching. People think usually it's like Zoom and it's your, it's screen time or it's not necessarily that it's, I'm creating workout programs that are customized to the client, their needs and their wants and their overall goals. 
Um, so the program would either be diet, um, their workout plan or a combination like, or both of them. Um, so yeah, they're getting, uh, they'll check, they check in with me bi-weekly. I would send them an update, um, of their program, but initially everyone starts off with a consultation document document that they would fill out, send it back to me. And then based on their goals, I create the program from there. Got it. So is it, is it very cookie cutter or how are you able to personalize these programs for the individuals in the, in the fitness levels? Definitely not cookie cutter. So if there's any, um, types of like, so if some, something seems a little off with like a client where I think maybe there might be an issue with their knees based on pictures that they've sent me and their posture or whatever the case is, I can get, I'll ask them, okay, the next time you're in the gym, can you please record yourself doing this movement? So Again, like typically I would get them to fill out their consultation based on their um, goals and their needs. Like if someone comes to me with uh, knee problems, I'm not going to prescribe them the same uh, workout that I would with someone who maybe is coming to me with maybe they're like sports specific where they need a little bit more agility. Uh, Like maybe they're like a football player or something of that sort. So I wouldn't give somebody the same type of workout because they are rehabbing a knee, for example. Um, Also, that can stem from any other injuries someone may have or had in the past. Um, And then again, when they still send check-in pictures along with like their measurements and their weight and kind of scoring themselves as how they did through the two weeks prior to the check-in, like did they adhere to the diet? Did they follow their workout plan? How was their sleep, their overall mental health? So if I can tell based on the pictures that they didn't um, uh, eat certain foods that I had suggested because maybe they had alcohol and they look a little inflamed, then I can adjust things based on how they look in the picture or again, linking it to like posture, how they are standing in the, um, in the image then I would also uh, do things that would help them have better posture as well. Okay. And uh, what levels do you, do you train? So I've trained beginners who have never touched the weight a day in their life, all the way up to my actual, my oldest person that I've ever worked with was 99. Wow. But should that person wasn't an online client. So back in the day, I actually used to go into group homes or like old age homes um, and uh, do exercises with seniors. Wow. Okay. So do you ever get, uh, I guess, any pro athletes or or amateurs that are right on the cusp of, of turning pro in whatever their profession would be? So I've never worked with any um, athletes of that nature. Personally, I think it's a little out of my wheelhouse at the moment. I still feel like there's some things that, sorry, if you hear any scratching or barking, there's a dog that's outside. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I personally feel like right now in terms of like, if it were a bodybuilder that came to me, uh, like I'm an amateur myself, I, I like to believe that people should stay in their own lane. Uh, you often nowadays see a lot of people who do one show and yes, I've done more than one show, but I still don't think I feel comfortable or ready to train and coach someone of that nature just yet. Okay. Maybe one day, (laughs) maybe one day. And where do you see yourself on this, uh, I guess, fitness journey in, in three to five years? 
It's funny you ask that because originally when I got into the sport, it was very much a bucket list thing. Uh, I came back from Australia at my heaviest and it was really just, I was watching bodybuilding from afar, thought it would be something cool to do. Um, I just didn't have the time or the finances. Um, and then me coming back from Australia at the weight that I was, I was like, okay, now is the time. I have the time. Um, and I have the money that I can spend to invest into this sport. So it's not a cheap sport. Um, and then I did the one show and I placed top three, then I did another show and then I was like, okay, we'll do it again the next year. And then COVID happened. So I took two years off and this year I won my very first overall. I had a lot of feedback of saying that I have a lot of potential in this sport. Uh, I had I received the judges feedback and they basically said, I'm like a Ferrari that's stuck in uh, a certain gear or I don't, I don't drive stick. So I don't know the gear. <laughs> I don't remember the exact quote, but he said, basically saying like, again, you have potential in the sport. It's just a matter of you want to let it rip or not. So I think I'm definitely going to be stepping on the stage again. I just don't know when. Okay. So you touched a little bit on how you got into that. Right. Um, I'm pretty ignorant on on the bodybuilding sense. Can you describe a little bit? Is it is it aged? Is it by weight? Is it by size, height? How does that go? So it's kind of all of the above. It just really depends what category you're in. So, for example, like I'm I compete in the figure division. It's very much based on symmetry. They look for something called like an X frame. So you want broad shoulders, uh, very small waist. Um, and you don't want to be overly, like, I don't know if you know who like Dana Lynn Bailey is. She's very popular in physique. Um, so it's like the middle ground before, um, I guess you could say where you'd be weighed, but even still like the women don't get weighed. It's the men who get weighed, um, again, for certain categories. Uh, so for example, there's a category called 212. So you need to be within that range of 212 pounds. Um, And then there are, like for my category, it's based on height. You are judged on how you pose, um, how the judges feel about your suit color to your skin tone, um, uh, your overall symmetry, your condition. It's so full list of things. So like you mentioned, there's a ton of things that go into this. And I imagine nutrition's right up there along with the actual exercises that you do. I'd say it's the most important part. <laughs> Where do you think, um, or I guess how, how do you think your nutrition has changed from when you started to, to where it is now? Uh, so funny you ask that. I definitely have a history of binge eating. I grew up in a household where I was allowed pop for breakfast. I could eat whatever I want. It was never managed. Like my parents never, I guess you could say managed how I ate in terms of, oh, like you're eating too much of this. It was kind of a free for all. That's kind of how I like the household that I grew up in. Um, For example, uh, my mom, uh, she used to get like cinnamon buns, like from Cinnabon. And she would have she would um, hide them under her bed because <laughs> she wouldn't want other people to eat them. That's a constant thing in the house that I grew up in is people hiding food 
it almost sounds again this a binge eating is definitely a, a bit of a like a eating disorder um so there were times where i would even hide food in my room because i didn't want certain people in my household eating it um and that's definitely extended like i see if i were to go in my sister's room i would find cereal boxes in there um pizza boxes in there <laughs> um same thing with my brother he would have mcdonald's and yeah i didn't grow up in a healthy household in terms of nutrition whatsoever um there were things that we would add sugar to that were not necessary like my mom i remember i think it started with my dad she likes to argue that my dad was the one who started this <laughs> where we would cut up like strawberries and sprinkle sugar on them okay what is the need to put sugar on strawberries when they are already sugar yeah. same thing with like people who put like uh, sugar in their cereal and again cereal majority of it is processed crap yeah so yeah i didn't uh grow up in a very nutritious household wow so uh you know, now, now your nutrition, right? How do you, how do you stay on point? And I guess, uh, how does nutrition match your goals? On point, he says, <laughs> I was just literally saying, I was like, it's so much easier to get ready for the show. It's like a, a light switch that turns on and it's so much easier to cut everything out because it's like, you have this deadline that you're trying to meet. Um, and you're trying to look a certain way to go on stage and literally be judged based on your appearance um, versus off season. This is, I find where it's a bit more of a struggle, especially if you're in an off season where you don't necessarily have your show pick your next show picked out or, Hey, I could have said that I'm not putting on the heels and the suit again and have been, would be done with competing, which I did do after my very first show. I remember I dropped my coach and said, thank you for getting me to my goal. I don't need you anymore. Not in those exact words, but I didn't know the importance of reverse dieting. So people think, and it's the same thing with clients who come to me where they, they'll say like, oh, I'm eating X amount of food, X amount of calories. And it's like, if they're eating next to nothing, I can't cut your calories any lower because you'd be at 500 calories and that's asking for anorexia at that point. Yeah. Um, but my diet has definitely changed where I'm not, do I still hoard food? Yes. I have cookies in my freezer. Um, I think if it's something I can't put in the freezer, then it puts me more, I don't want to say at risk, but it's easier to nibble on something when it's in the cupboard. Whereas the freezer, mm -hmm. it takes time for whatever that thing is to thaw out or to put it in the oven. I'm less likely to touch it. Um, I don't live with my parents anymore, so it's easier to control what comes in and out of the house in terms of, I don't like to label foods good or bad, but unhealthy foods. Mm -hmm. um, I would say, actually, I grew up to be, to be a very picky eater. Like, for instance, I had never had certain vegetables until I started bodybuilding. So again, my diet was very fat and carb and protein dense. Um, I wasn't someone who was raised where, oh, you have to eat all, all the vegetables on your plate before you can leave the table. So I'm deaf. My taste buds have definitely, I guess you can say been improved, revamped, uh, with getting into bodybuilding for sure. 
So do you do the whole meal prep and calorie counting and, you know, uh, seven days is, you know, seven times four would be, you know, 28. Like what do you do all of that? So I don't um, calorie count. I have a meal plan and I just follow the plan. She, My coach doesn't actually put the macros or the calories on there. However, I do always advocate for my clients to use my fitness pal. So I will plug things in in my fitness pal it kind of just holds me accountable because it's like oh if I ate something off plan well let's put this in my fitness pal and see how it changes or how it looks from the days that I'm what a day should look like if I'm following my plan um I do meal prep I usually like to meal prep on a Sunday and a Wednesday because I don't like my food to just kind of sit in the fridge I like to me Sunday and Wednesday it, it gives me a bit more fresher food. Okay. Um, in general, though, my food, I kind of, I get lazy and I cook my food pretty much the same way. Hmm. Yeah. And I know you talked about the off season. I mean, I've only kind of heard this term and, and never understood it fully. But when you talk about off season for bodybuilding, it's typically associated with either a clean bulk or a dirty bulk. Yeah, uh, yeah I guess you could say so. I like to think of it as this is where improvements really get made so for example the feedback well I guess you could say this wasn't necessarily the feedback but it was kind of obvious at least for my second show the pro qualifier that I was kind of small on stage there were girls up there that had much bigger shoulders and a bit more dense uh, muscle in their backs because they've been doing this sport longer than I have Uh, this is actually a sport where it's almost better to be a bit older in the sport because you look a bit better than Mm. compared to someone who's newly developing muscle. So the off season is where I want to, at least my plan is to try to keep my waist as small as possible. And my legs are usually the hardest to come in. It's harder to, and that's typical with women. Um, My goal is to keep my legs smaller so that they come in conditioned um, and my waist smaller and then to put size on my back and on my shoulders. And what do you do before the show, whether it's a couple days or a couple hours? I mean, I know I've heard stories before of, uh, you know, the famous bodybuilder Jay Cutler used to always have a glass of red wine. Is there anything that you do before the show? So yeah, I haven't done any alcohol as of yet. I've heard of people that do where um, they'd have like vodka or any kind of liquor because it helps dry them out. Mm. Um, I really just kind of keep the diet pretty much the same. Uh, We would do a bit of like a carb load uh, gradually. I think this for these two shows, we started the carb load. I believe it was the Tuesday or the Wednesday. Um, And that carb load is really... It could be like having some dry oats for breakfast or dry oats for um, closer to before bed. But honestly, it wasn't anything crazy. I didn't have um, like some people will have like cheesecake the night before. Mm. To me, it's like these are foods that I wasn't eating for so long. We don't know how that's going to digest the night before or the night, the day of. So we rather just stick to meals that I've been having uh, the entire prep. Uh, however, before getting on stage, I was allowed, I think it was two rice cakes, uh, 
some peanut butter, honey, um, and some pre-workout to get a pump, some salt. So I'd say that's kind of the standard. And how is it in terms of hydration and, and liquid and water? What are you, what are you having for that? Uh, so we gradually in- increased water all throughout. Uh, so I think we started, typically I drink four liters a day. The water got only as high up to six liters. And then roughly before the night of the show, there's a certain period of the day where we stopped drinking water. Mm. Um, but then throughout the day of the show, like you're kind of just gradually sipping on water. You're not really chugging. So I find usually a lot of bodybuilders are more so thirsty than hungry when they get off stage. Mm. Wow. And so the poses, do you have a, a different, I guess, posing coach or somebody who's helping you guide you through those poses? So originally when I got into the sport, yes, I was uh, doing a posing. I had a posing coach with someone that was local in Durham region. Uh, however, now I, so I'm with team freak fitness and Darren is the head coach. Um, I work with um, another coach within the team, Denise, but I was working with um, Darren's wife, Christina. So she's an IFBB pro. Um, so I was doing my posing with her virtually. Okay. And you're still with her doing that for, for the last shows and, and, you know, what you would assume to be the future as well? Yes. Okay. And in terms of the competition, right, uh, you, you mentioned this. Is it more of a friendly competition where you want to see other people do well? Or is it, or is it really gritty and and grimy where you don't really want to see those people do that well so you can do better I mean I'll keep it 100 at the end of the day I want to (laughs) win um but at the same time like it it's a weird community where you talk to a lot of people on social media and then it's like nice to finally meet these people in person when you know that they're doing the same show uh in my case I didn't really tell people that I was competing it was just kind of oh, I noticed that there was a hotel phone in the background. Are you doing this show this weekend? That's kind of, that was my situation. Um, However, uh, yeah, I would say that like backstage is very friendly. Um, There's no like crap talking at all. People bring like desserts to share. Uh, Yeah, so it's very much, there's there's a lot of camaraderie uh, within the sport, I would say. Mm. And which is mentioned- nice considering it's a solo sport yes yeah and, and that's that's what i was about to ask you is that it is a solo sport but you mentioned you're part of a team i think you said team freak yes freak so how does, yeah how, how does that work do you have to try out or do you get selected or do you just put your name in a hat or, or how, what happens with that team so you kind of you read like obviously like you're using social media we'll say to go through people's accounts and see how their athletes have done. Uh, I originally made a friend through social media um, and I was working with another coach and the coach that I had before was someone that I really admired. Um, And then at one point I just felt like I wanted to spread my wings and try a different team. Um, And this was a team that I was kind of watching from afar uh, I had a phone call with Darren and he thought I'd be a great fit for the team there. Not every coach will just take on any and anyone. Um, if they get any kind of demeanor that like, you're not going to take this seriously, then there are coaches I know of that have rejected, um, athletes because they didn't want to work with them. 
Um, and I mean, that's kind of a good thing in the sense of at least, you know, there are people that aren't just going to take other people's money. So, I mean, yeah, it sucks to get rejected from a, a team you may have wanted to work with, but at least they feel like, you know, what, I don't think we're going to be a great fit for you um, rather than, you know, like I said, taking your money. And is there anybody in the team um, that you compete against? I haven't gone up against anyone as of yet. Like I got really lucky with my very first show. I was the only competitor at that show from my team, which was nice. However, uh, for the Toronto Pro Show, there was two other bikini girls and a physique competitor, but she was a pro. Um, And then I was the only figure person. Uh, so again, like there were other athletes on my team there, but I didn't go up against them, but that's going to be bound to happen. My team has a lot of figure athletes, so it'll happen one day, I'm sure. Oh, okay. And so what does being a part of, um, any team mean? I mean, do you get access to, to more gyms or do you get sponsorships? So what's the difference in not being a part of a team versus being part of a team? So not being part of a team would probably mean that you're self-coached. So mm. that means you're getting yourself ready for the stage. I know of a couple people that do that because um, they won. Like I know one girl, she did my show, uh, the one in May, um, and she won the overall. Um, she self-coached. I was like, I don't know how on earth you do that. And she says that she likes to be in control of everything um, in regards to her. I mean, obviously, like it's your body. So you have control. If someone wanted you to do a certain movement and you're like, I literally cannot do that exercise, then you make the judgment call there or find a way to um, regress that movement. Um, And then in terms of when you're on a team, like the benefits, one, it's again, like you have people that you can turn to um, for support. Yes, there are sometimes like discounts that you can get. So for example, um, some people have discounts that you can get with um, suit designers when they know that you're affiliated with the team. Um, Obviously that benefits both parties. One, you're getting a discount because suits are very expensive. And then the suit designer has more people coming to them when they offer a team discount. Got it, okay. And what's the biggest difference between being a pro versus being an amateur in in this bodybuilding scene? Money. (laughs) So the pros, and that's if you're a good pro in your place, then you get paid to compete. Versus if you are an amateur and you win, you just get a trophy or medal, maybe some supplements, whatever the case is. It depends on who sponsored the show or what they're offering for the overall winners. But usually when you're a, when you not usually when you're a pro um, and you place, you get paid. Okay. And, and how many, I mean, is it up to your coach or when, like, when would you decide that you're ready for pro? That's the judges who decide that. So they give out a pro card to the overall winner at a pro qualifier. So for example, the way the pro show that I just re or the, pro qualifier that I just did the Toronto pro show. So I came in third in my class 
So if I won my class, like my height category, yep. and then from there, everyone else who won their height category goes up against each other and whoever wins that overall gets their pro card. So oh. I need to win my class at a pro qualifier. Like that's probably, I would say my next goal. And then from there, I mean, obviously I want to be a pro, but baby steps, I like to think of it. Um, it's like, you got to put in your time with this sport. I feel. Yes. And, and how subjective are the judges, right? I mean, would one eye be different than another eye? Oh, it's very um, subjective. <laughs> It's funny because I come from sports where it's literally it's whoever has the most points. Like it's very obvious who wins a football game, a basketball game, a volleyball game. Those are just sports that I used to play. Um, Whereas now it's based on like, I mean, all the judges, they go through their training. So their judges, their judging isn't really off by a lot. So, for example, it's for an amateur show or I guess for a pro show as well, you want to have a score. It's based on how many judges are at the table. So for example, I had five judges at the table for the um, regional show. So I want to make sure that I have a score of five. So that means that every single judge ranked me as number one. So Mm. one times five is five points. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and I mean, Is there any, I mean, I imagine there is, but to what extent is there politics involved in the judging? Everyone likes to say that there isn't. I mean, I don't know how true that is. Um, I think, like I said, where I think that sometimes it's a matter of putting in the time and how often judges see you, I think that could be beneficial. Yeah. Um, but again, they say that there's no politics and they don't care what team you're on or what you post on social. I'm sure like they don't care what team you're on. They don't care what you post on social media. They don't care how much weight you lost to get there. If you don't look the part, then you're not going to get your pro card. Mm. I got it. Wow. And is there any, I guess, um, myths about bodybuilding that you'd love to debunk Hmm. I know I mean like for me there's some things like a lot of people think like oh like you must drink protein shakes all the time I have never had a protein shake a day in my life wow yeah I think like if I'm gonna have protein powder it would be I've turned it into a pancake or something of that nature I won't or like a mug cake I won't just drink a protein shake I think they're gross (laughs) wow okay yeah and then also people thinking I guess you could say people think this might be a general population thing but people think that um peanut butter is like a good source of protein and it's more fat than it is protein Mm -hmm. yeah wow that's so that's so interesting to me yeah. Wow. Is there any questions that I haven't asked you that you would you would like to, you know, put out there or out there? Hmm. Uh, not that I can think of. Whether it's regarding a teacher or online coaching or, or your, you know, bodybuilding figure. I mean, usually people think and I won't lie, I even thought that being an amateur bodybuilder and trying to teach would be very difficult. I wouldn't say 
was at all. Um, I, I was lucky where I had staff and students that were very supportive. Um, staff in the sense of, I actually, at one of my schools, the vice principal and then the French teacher were also former competitors. So they were very understanding of everything that I was about to go, I don't want to say go through, <laughs> but do <laughs> to get ready for the show. Um, and then even like, for instance, I was, I was at two schools during the prep for these shows. And at, when I went to the, the second school, the high school, um, I would often have to leave the class very quickly to go warm up my food. Now, mind you, I had uh, EAs, that stands for Educational Assistance, just because I was um, teaching a special education class. Mm. Um, when they noticed like that I had to keep leaving the class one week to go microwave my food, they were like, we have a microwave in this room that we don't use. We could bring it up to the class. So again, them being supportive of, I don't need to leave the classroom. I can just warm up my food in the class, which was great. Um, and then even the students were very supportive. Like I remember the very first day at that school, my prep had already started. I was about four weeks in, three weeks in. And I had warned them. I'm like, just so you know, there's going to come a point in this school year that I'm going to look maybe a little zombie-like. Mm. And you're probably going to wonder, like, did I get any sleep? <laughs> the answer will be like, yes, I always get sleep because it's very important. Um, but yeah, I just don't want you guys to think that, like, I'm going to collapse while teaching you guys. Um, but yeah, they were very supportive. They were like, so how'd you do? Like when I come back on the Monday, um, they'd ask to see like pictures from photo shoots and anything that I could show, like my medals and everything. So yeah, the students were very, they were great. Wow. And something you mentioned in there, how long is a typical prep? So that depends very much on, I would like to say a bit of your off season and just overall body type. So I, my very first prep, I did 20 weeks um, with one what? coach. And then the year after we did 18, I find my preps and the past two shows that I did this year, we did 20 weeks. Uh, I found 20 weeks to be perfect. It gives you enough time to kind of ease into things. You don't have to make any drastic moves like cutting your calories very quickly. Um, if you're doing a shorter prep, at least I'm assuming that would be the case for me. Um, versus if you're someone that's already fairly lean and you stay pretty lean all year round, then you might not have to do it. There, there's not that much weight that you have to lose. Um, I mean, I don't want to emphasize weight loss because there are some people that grow into a show. They actually, the scale goes up because they've put on muscle um, mm. during the process of getting ready to go on stage. Mm. Wow. Okay. Do you have any questions for me? Um, not that I can think of. I like that. <laughs> three questions that I ask every one of my guests right near the end. Can I ask them to you too? Sure. What three qualities do you possess that make you successful? Ooh, that sounds like something that I ask my clients. <laughs> oh. Um, I ask them, what do you need from me to make it impossible for you to fail? I probably should not have given that away on your podcast. <laughs> um, but I would say for me... Uh, I probably say my ability to pivot. There's 
often some kind of obstacle that gets in my way bigger. It could be big, it could be small, but I find ways to adapt and figure out a way to accomplish whatever the goal is. Uh, so for example, originally with like, when it comes to my education, I wanted to go straight into university and do kinesiology. Um, however, I didn't take math, so that hindered my ability to get into a university. So I went to college first. Um, so again, that was a p me pivoting. Um, lockdowns, I had to find access to private gyms. So again, a way for me to pivot. Um, sorry, and did you say I had to think of two more? Just three qualities that make you successful. Um... I would say also my ability to be inclusive. Uh, so that's me um, working with different populations. I'm always able to find a way to progress or regress an exercise. Um, a client has often come to me where I can't do a plank or I'll never be able to do this movement. And I'm like, by the end of your time working with me, I'll get you to do some kind of variation of that movement that you think or thought that you couldn't do. Uh, and then I would say my, my want to always learn. I like to, I've always told my students that uh, the way that they are students and they're constantly learning, sorry, this dog is going wild. Um, <laughs> the way that their students I like to see myself as a student as well, where I'm always taking a course. Uh, I'm always trying to learn something new. So for example, I literally just finished the course this weekend, um, taking special education part two, um, to one day maybe be head of the special education department at a high school. Um, who knows, I hope that's in my deck of cards one day. Um, and then even with, in terms of fitness and health, um, I've always taken courses, whether it be nutrition, um, strength training, any, like, I'm again, like, I'm just always trying to continue to build my resume. Wow. I love that. Now, a couple questions did pop up here that, that I had that I didn't initially have, um, that, that I'd love to ask you here. So do you do any sort of mental prep before your competitions? Uh, and if you mean in terms of therapy, no, but I, I'm a big advocate for self-talk. However, I'm a bit of a different self-talker. Okay, let's hear it. <laughs> well, more in the sense of I don't always say good things to myself. Um, I'm, and I think I get this from my dad. He was very much uh, he doesn't like good feedback. He wants, um, I don't want to say negative feedback. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, constructive feedback. Cause okay. he think we both have this, this theory or this thought surrounding positive feedback where it's okay. It's a pat on the back. What can I do with a pat on the back? It means that I'm just going to continue to do what I was already doing. I'm going to remain the same. Versus if you're going to give me any kind of a critique, then that's growth. I can do something with what you j just said, like you should try this or do this. Or, you know, when you spoke to that student, 
you should try to change your tone because this is how they took like whatever the case is mm. so that that that's giving me room to grow and improve whereas if you just say oh good job it's like okay well i just continue doing what i was doing yes yeah 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 very, okay i like that a lot actually and and another thing that popped up um i know you mentioned special education and that you you teach from those classes do you do any sort of um, coaching, whether it's personal training um, with any type of special education, special education, um, I guess in this part would be the students or uh, clients. So not currently, there were times where when I was doing my undergrad, I did uh, do volunteer work through for um, an autism spectrum disorder camp. I haven't, it hasn't run since the start of the pandemic. Um, but actually I had a lot of my students that were like, can you be our gym teacher next year? And I'm like, that is not in my hands. It's in the principal's hands. If she hires me to teach gym. Mm. (laughs) Um, but there were times when I was in the elementary class where we have something called most schools have them and not just uh, elementary, but they're more found in elementary schools, uh, sensory and gross motor rooms. They're kind of like a way of it's an alternate room that allows students to I guess you can say like I don't want to say calm down but de-escalate um so the sensory room is more of like a relaxing a zen room versus the gross motor room is a room where there's they allow for more movement so sometimes if a student was very escalated or heightened um I would take them to the gross motor room and we would do exercises in there um, where it could be having them like throw a ball or wh- again, whatever the case may be, it may depend um, on the student. But mm. yeah, that's as far as it's gotten so far with working with kids with special needs. Okay. Okay. Is that something that you'd want to do in the future? Oh, a hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. Right. Now back to the other questions I had before I got wildly sidetracked here. Um <laughs> <laughs> If you could go back in time, what is something that you would tell your younger self? Hmm. Uh, As a joke, I want to say lay off all the sugar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would say... There's a part of me that would want to say not to conform in some ways. Because uh, there were times, like there was a time where um, all of your, my friends may have been doing something and I wanted to fit in and do the exact same thing. Mm. Um, and it was usually actually sport wise. Uh, however, that didn't, I would say that was something like gymnastics. That was my very first sport. And it was because my best friend was doing it at the time and I wanted to do it as well. I was probably in grade two at that point. <laughs> However, when I got to high school, majority of my friends wanted to do curling and curling just sounded so boring to me. <laughs> so all my main core group of friends went and did curling and I went and did volleyball. So maybe I wish like when I was very young, like when I was doing gymnastics that I maybe got into another sport, but I mean, athletics, sometimes you just start where you start. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And what is something you do every day that you are proud of? 
I'd almost want to say getting up early. It's, it's something that I don't think anything of, but when I hear so many people that struggle to do it, it to me, I guess it's, I take that ability for granted. And again, that started with uh, probably in high school where you'd have early practices. So it was just something that it was instilled in me to do from a young age. Uh, I just believe in getting your day started early. There's time goes by so quickly. Like I keep saying that this summer went by so fast, like in a few weeks, I'm going to be out of school again. Yes. Um, so yeah, I would say the fact that I'm able to, I guess, I don't want to say maybe getting up early, but we'll phrase it as my ability to make the most out of every day. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Last one. What does the word discipline mean to you? Mm. Something that I'm always working on. <laughs> uh, I would say it's your ability to stay consistent. Um, at least in my nature of what I do with my life. Um, your... Your ability not to have others get in your head um, or let your surroundings affect um, your goals. Uh, I guess you could say in a sense, almost kind of like tunnel vision. But I don't want to say tunnel vision because it's like you're not, you're so focused, hyper-focused on one thing that you don't let others, other things get in your way. But I mean, like sometimes like, family has to come first or work has to come first Mm. but it's a way to still figure out how to attack and achieve your goal while allowing certain things within reason to get in if that makes sense yep yeah Yeah. i got it i got it 100 percent. and lastly where can people find you this is your time to plug any social media or any other way that you want to to fill the space and put your name out there so you can find me at c Spalding, but my last name is spelled S P A U L D I N G two um, on Instagram. So that's at C Spalding two on Instagram. That's the only platform I have. No Snapchat, no Twitter, no TikTok. <laughs> Perfect. I'll put that in the description below. And awesome. That's it for me. So, any closing comments? Oh, sorry, you keep throwing me on the spot. <laughs> no i think that's everything that was great (laughs) awesome thanks for coming on i really enjoyed this episode and uh, have a great night you too bye bye thanks for listening guys please don't forget to like and share this i'm trying to get this to everybody uh any person that you know in Ontario, Canada, um, or anybody that you know comes to Ontario, Canada, I uh, I want to really highlight businesses and people who are in the area. Thanks, guys. Don't forget, like and share and comment, and I'll see you next time. Peace.